This is the Troll Patrol. Live with Justin Freakin'. Welcome to the Troll Patrol. Live. It's a freaking Wednesday. I'm a little bit late tonight because the first time I went live, YouTube, Twitch, everything said error. I had to start everything over, reboot everything up, and here we are. Welcome! Welcome! Fantastic show for you here tonight. Representative Marjorie Taylor Greene has compared the Biden vaccine efforts to the Nazi brown shirts. Also today, Representative Greene's hero, Donald Trump, apparently loves him some Nazis. The Alabama Attorney General is calling for the Limestone County Sheriff to not be able to point fingers at the other sheriffs that are corrupt in the state. Some kids that were picking up a pizza were shot by the cops. A woman in Illinois was stripped naked in front of the cops. We're going to go into the Olympics. A woman apparently was arrested after she tried to use a water gun to point out uh, to put out the Olympic torch. <laughs> also, apparently, it is the U.S. that's behind the weed ban in the Olympics. But, but, but by the end of the show, I promise you, a dog wearing shoes is going to seek revenge. For a man that was knocked out by a flying cat. A dog wearing shoes is going to seek revenge for a man knocked out by a flying cat. (laughs) That's how we're going to end the show tonight. But first, breaking news. Apparently, Rudy Rudy Giuliani... Do you think we're stupid? you think we're fools? Yes. Apparently, that's why you got your license suspended in D.C. After having it suspended by New York, I think last week. A month after New York's appellate court suspended Giuliani's law license. My, how time flies. (laughs) But the top story tonight, we're going to go to... A former slave colony of the U.S. Haiti's president allegedly uh, his sa- he was assassinated, and allegedly the assassins were caught on video posing as DEA agents. We're going to get to see the video. The heavily armed gunmen who appear to have killed the president of Haiti were caught on video claiming to be DEA agents. Video shows at least five assailants wearing bulletproof vests and carrying large weapons who appear to be standing guard outside the president's home while the assault is taking place. So just just in case, it looks like it's really shitty video and we're not going to see much, but just in case, content warning fuckers.
Originally, I thought this was like a security camera video, but it appears to be somebody's cell phone from a balcony. Um, quite a ways away. You can't really make out what's going on. I'm not sure what language he's speaking. I thought they spoke um, French in Haiti. I The only word I could make out was shit. Uh, President Jovenel Moti, I don't know how to say his name. Um, I didn't listen to any uh, news today. Jovenel Moez, 53, died of gunshot wounds at his home in the hills surrounding the capital, Port-au-Prince, in a brazen raid shortly after midnight while his wife, First Lady Martine Moez, 47, was wounded and is hospitalized. There is no evidence suggesting the United States Drug Enforcement Administration was involved, and it was likely an attempt to create confusion around the source of the attack. The DEA has not yet issued a statement and did not immediately respond to an inquiry from Vice World News. A statement from Acting Prince Minister Claude Joseph said that the assailants were not DEA, but mercenaries, some of whom also spoke Spanish in an apparent attempt to blame external forces. The dominant language in Haiti is Creole. In the country's sole uh, neighbor on the island of Hispanola, the Dominican Republic, it's Spanish. In a statement, President Joe Biden condemned the murder of Moyes, calling it a heinous act saying that the U.S. was ready to assist to continue to work for a safe and secure Haiti. In October of 2015, Moise received the most votes according to official tallies in the first round of the presidential election, but he didn't win enough to avoid a runoff and a vast discrepancy in the percentage he supposedly won compared with exit polls led to allegations of fraud and widespread protests. The ensuing runoff election which was delayed due to the unrest, was boycotted by many and only about a fifth of eligible voters cast a ballot. Moise officially took power on February 7th, 2017, a year after the inauguration should have taken place. Marred by controversy from the start, his tenure was a tumultuous period in the country that's still recovering from a disastrous 2010 earthquake that killed more than 200,000 people and destroyed much of the country's infrastructure. In recent months, Haiti has suffered a crisis of kidnappings and has struggled to respond to the COVID-19 pandemic. The country, the poorest in the Western Hemisphere, is the only one in the region yet to vaccinate a single person. Wow. Critics have questioned Moy's legitimacy, saying that his five-year term should have ended in February. The president contended that since he didn't officially take office until 2017, there was another year left on his term. 
That same month, authorities arrested opponents whom the government said were plotting a coup, releasing a video that suggested the attempt was masterminded by a former U.S. State Department official. There doesn't appear to be any evidence to support such a wild claim. Legislative elections have been delayed indefinitely since October 2019 in the absence of a parliament. The president had been ruling by decree, leading many to compare him with past dictators. Recently, the head of the Supreme Court died of COVID-19. Wow! With few elected officials and weak institutions, the murder of Moise is likely to create a power vacuum that could bring more violence and unrest. Yeah, it sounds like it's a failed state. Holy shit. Well, we'll be keeping an eye on that. Also, a story to keep an eye on. Apparently, civilization is coming to an end. New reports suggest high likelihood of human civilization coming to an end starting in 2050. That's my lifetime. Jesus. Maybe. I don't know. I've lived hard. A harrowing scenario analysis on of how human civilization might collapse in coming decades due to climate change has been endorsed. Oh, oh, oh. We got a smoky has been endorsed by a former Australian defense chief and senior Royal Navy commander. The analysis published by the Breakthrough National Center for Climate Restoration, a think tank in Melbourne, Australia, describes climate change as a near to midterm existential threat to human civilization and sets out a plausible scenario of where business as usual could lead over the next 30 years. Paper argues that the potentially extremely serious outcomes of climate-related security threats are often far more probable than conventionally assumed, but almost impossible to quantify because they fall outside of human experience of the last thousand years. Per her, curiouser. On our current trajectory, the report warns planetary and human systems are reaching a point of no return by mid-century in which the prospect of a largely uninhabitable Earth leads to the breakdown of nations and the international order. The only way to avoid the risk of this scenario is what the report describes as akin in scale to the World War II emergency mobilization, but this time focused on rapidly building out a zero-emissions industrial system to set in train the restoration of a safe climate. Scenario warns that our current trajectory will likely lock in at least 3 degrees Celsius of global warming, which in turn could trigger further amplifying feedbacks, unleashing further warming. That's what I talked about the other day. Venus suffers from the runaway... I never can say it. Runaway greenhouse effect. Or just like, the ice melting in the ocean causes the ocean to absorb more sunlight instead of reflecting it back up, therefore causing the Earth to get even hotter than it would have. The result would be devastating. Some 1 billion people would be forced to attempt to relocate from unlivable conditions, and 2 billion would face scarcity of water supplies, agriculture would collapse in the subtropics, and food production would suffer dramatically worldwide. 
the internal cohesion of nation states like the U.S. and China would unravel. I mean, it's not like we've seen just wild things occur here in the U.S. Like, over the weekend, a wildfire in California that could be seen from space. Or, you know, the ocean being on fire. Widely circulated video from last week. A deep well caught on fire in the middle of the fucking ocean. But of all the alarming things that we have seen, this one might be the worst. How Jacobad in Pakistan crossed a temperature threshold too extreme for human tolerance. This was one of the tipping points that was predicted that we wouldn't reach for like another 50 years. And it happened just the other day. Jacobad, located in the Sindh province of Pakistan, has always been notorious for its scorching summers when high temperatures and humidity send the city's 2 million residents running for cover. According to recent research, the city has officially surpassed the threshold temperature which human beings can withstand. Mercury levels in the city can soar to life-threatening 52 degrees Celsius, that's 126 degrees Fahrenheit, The Grim Milestone was crossed, albeit briefly, decades ahead of predictions based on climate change models. The situation is made worse by the fact that blackouts are common and few have air conditionings to combat the blistering heat. During these months, the city also witnesses a spike in cases of heat strokes, heat-related illnesses, and death. Jacobat is situated along the Tropic of Cancer, which means that the sun is nearly overhead during the summer months. The mixture of heat and humid air from the Arabian Sea has contributed to the city crossing temperatures of 52 degrees Celsius, which could potentially be fatal for human beings, according to a study conducted by uh, Colin Raymong, Tom Matthews, and Radley Horton last year. Based on available global weather data, the researchers found that Jacob, uh, Jacobad and Raz al uh, Kama are the only two cities in the world to have crossed this dangerous temperature threshold. So they were actually researching it and found out that it did it like last year. Damn. Hey, Smokey. How you doing, buddy? Not only do we have to worry about the effects on our infrastructure and such, good lord! <laughs> Trying to catch up to the live version. What's up, RB? We've also got to contend with the pandemic that still rages on. The Delta variant has become the dominant COVID strain in the U.S. According to the CDC today, we're on the daily news, so there's a hell of a lot of ads. The Delta variant, a highly transmissible mutation of COVID-19 initially detected in India earlier this year, is now the dominant strain in the U.S. We also had the Delta Plus variant. The Centers for Disease Control and Prevention on Tuesday revealed the variant, 
Known as B one six one seven point two, accounted for more than fifty one percent of all new coronavirus cases nationwide as of July third. So now, how do the vaccines protect against it? We have some information coming out of Israel to let us know. The Israeli government says its analysis has shown the Pfizer-BioNTech coronavirus vaccine appears to be less effective against infections caused by the Delta variant compared to other strains. are coming back. The Los Angeles Department of Public Health recommending residents wear a mask in public indoor spaces, even the fully vaccinated. This coming as Israel is now mandating people wear masks indoors. And Australia imposing new lockdown measures affecting 10 million people there. Up front now, Dr. Jonathan Reiner, who advised the White House medical team under President George W. Bush. So, Dr. Reiner, look, through most of the pandemic, obviously you were get the mask on, get the mask on. Um, but when people were vaccinated, right, you were an early proponent of saying, look, the right thing to do here is take your mask off if you are vaccinated. I, I think that they did that as an incentive and it was the wrong thing to do. What can happen when you get the vaccine? Where where do you stand now when you think about this variant that's now spreading and the, these mask mandates starting to come back? Yeah, hi, Aaron. I think these mask mandates are a way to get the unvaccinated to wear masks. We don't really have a way to know right now out in public who's masked and who's unmasked, right? Uh, who's vaccinated and unvaccinated? And who's unvaccinated. So if we need to get masks back to protect the unvaccinated, we have to um, mask everybody up. There's very little risk. And I've, I've said it all along. I want to take the onus off of business owners and the workers. We need the government to mandate it so shitheads don't go into the fucking dollar store and harass the cashier to uh, folks who've been vaccinated, particularly with the mRNA uh, vaccines. Uh, recent data out of the UK shows that uh, vac- vaccination uh, has about a 96% efficacy in preventing hospitalization against Delta. Oh, okay. Delta is almost uh, 60% more transmissible than Alpha, and Alpha was more than 50% more transmissible against the original uh, uh, wild type that came out of Wuhan. And if you are unvaccinated now, this virus is looking for... I, yes, yeah, we, we are going to be living with it the rest of our lives. It's just a thing. We're going to have to take a vaccine every year. It, you're right about it being the new flu. However, it hasn't done all the damage it's going to do yet. <laughs> like, this fall is going to look horrible. I don't. I don't know. Like we're we're not to where we can just carry on and ignore it. Government has added that the vaccine was now ninety three percent effective at preventing severe disease and hospitalizations. But I, as I said, I'm pretty sure Sparkles has it right now. She's not very happy about that. She's fully vaccinated. She's not in a hospital with a ventilator, but she still says it sucks ass. Oh, it's more it's like when we when we were talking about it, like being like the flu, that that wasn't what we were talking about. Like it's 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 here. We're going to have to deal with it. Now, the flu actually started out as a pandemic and it's just one that we've had to deal with. Like that's that's the thing. So you, you just you mitigate the risk and everything, but like we're going to be living with it. There's no way to contain it anymore. Thanks, idiots. Not my chat. My chat is not the idiots. People like Representative Thomas Massey 
from Kentucky. As he says, soldiers will quit if the COVID vaccine is required in the military. Somebody check. There's like fucking 600 or something vaccines already required or some shit like that. I, I might be wildly off. I don't know. Might have been 60. I'm from Kentucky. <laughs> Kentucky GOP rep Thomas Massey took heat and won praise over the 4th of July weekend for tweeting that members of our volunteer or voluntary military contacted him threatening to quit if ordered to take a COVID-19 vaccination. As of Tuesday, the Saturday tweet had more than 8,700 likes and 17,000 comments. While some agreed with Massey, others noted that other vaccinations are required for all military personnel and quitting the military is considered being absent without leave. I, I, I believe you can be court-martialed for that shit. Massey's tweet followed his June 14th introduction of H.R. 3860, which would prohibit mandatory COVID vaccines for members of the armed forces. As of Tuesday, the bill has 23 co-sponsors. Of course, they're all members of the Republican Party. Republican Party, like Representative Marjorie Taylor Greene, who thinks the Biden vaccine efforts are akin to the brown shirts. In a tweet on Tuesday, MTG compared a push by President Biden to ensure as many Americans are vaccinated against the coronavirus as possible to the people who helped Adolf Hitler rise to power in Nazi Germany. Green's tweet read, Biden pushing a vaccine that is not FDA approved. Ma'am, you're wrong there. It's FDA approved. It's emergency approved. COVID is a political tool used to control people. People have a choice. They don't need your medical brown shirts showing up at their door ordering vaccinations. You can't force people to be a part of the human experiment. I think everybody is a part of the human experiment. I think you used that phrase wrong. This was Biden's statement. Ways to make gains in getting those of you who are unvaccinated vaccinated. Because here's the deal. We are continuing to wind down the mass vaccination sites that did so much in the spring to rapidly vaccinate those eager to get their first shot and their second shot, for that matter, if they needed a second. Now we need to go to community by community, neighborhood by neighborhood, and oftentimes door to door, literally knocking on doors to get help to the remaining people protected from the virus. And in case anyone is unaware, that's the way we do it with the UN and other countries. We go door to door and hand out vaccines. Literally, the U.S. military goes door to door with the UN, hands out vaccines. Life-saving fucking vaccines, but that's the same as the brown shirts coming to get you, right? According to Representative Green... Weird thing to say when today we learn that one of Green's heroes, Donald Trump, told his chief of staff, John Kelly, that Hitler did a lot of good things. <laughs> oh, shit. It's, al- it's always projection with the Republicans. Former President Trump reportedly said in a conversation with then-Chief of Staff John Kelly during his 2018 trip to Europe to commemorate the end of World War I that Adolf Hitler did a lot of good things. The conversation is included in an upcoming book from the Wall Street Journal's Michael Bender. Frankly, we did win this election, the inside story of how Trump lost. 
a copy of which was obtained by The Guardian. The news outlet reported that while Trump denied making the remark to Kelly, several unidentified sources said Kelly told the president that he was wrong, but Trump was undeterred. While Trump cited Germany's economic recovery under Hitler in the 1930s, his chief of staff reminded the president which countries were on which side during the conflict and connected the dots from the First World War to the Second World War and all of Hitler's atrocities. Kelly reportedly continued to push back on Trump's alleged claims and argued that the German people would have been better off poor than subjected to the Nazi genocide. Trump spokesperson Liz Harrington said in a statement to The Hill that the reported conversation is totally false, even though Trump slept with a fucking book of Hitler's speeches next to his his bed. Kelly departed his role as chief of staff at the beginning of 2019 after serving in the position for about 17 months and became a vocal critic of Trump. Now, before he lended him legitimacy, also from the same book, Trump apparently <laughs> discussed pardoning Ghislaine Maxwell. Former President Trump considered issuing a pardon to Jeffrey Epstein's associate, Ghislaine Maxwell, shortly before leaving office, according to the new book. Oh, this is a different book. This is a book from Michael Wolf. Business Insider reported Tuesday that Wolf wrote in his new book, Landslide, that Trump took a sudden interest in Maxwell's case. Has she said anything about me? Trump reportedly asked about Maxwell. Is she going to talk? Will she roll on anybody? Oh, my God. Well, I mean, Trump is on record saying Epstein was a good friend of his and they both like young women. Absolutely. Racist, willful ignorance. Maxwell is being held in a New York jail on child sex trafficking charges. She has pleaded not guilty and her request for bail have been denied. Wolf has written two other books about Trump, the bestseller Fire and Fury and the sequel Siege. When the second book came out, I wondered why he was able to get access to Trump again. I know If it's true, he just fucking admitted he was involved in it. Well, it's like I said to all the people when the Epstein didn't kill himself shit came out. I'm like, well, who, who is over the Justice Department right now? Who's over the DOJ that would have the power to send somebody in and have Epstein not kill himself? It absolutely is an admission. But hey, 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 hey. It's all false. It's all false. And not only that, but Trump is going to be the Speaker of the House after the next election. Matt Gates has a wild new plan to make Trump president again. Florida Rep Matt Gates, who I have no clue how he is still in Congress, <laughs> said at a Trump rally in Sarasota over the weekend that should the GOP win control of the House of Representatives after the 2022 midterms, he'd vote for Trump as Speaker of the House, despite the fact that Trump seemingly has no plans to run 
for the house whatsoever. So, let's listen to the comments. The next election cycle, when we take back the House of Representatives. When we send... Now, now here's the thing. I've been saying all along, they, they stand a good chance of taking back the House. Unless Trump is front and center. If Trump is front and center in the House races in the midterm... History tells us he's a motivating factor for Democrats. And it really seems that the Republican conspiracies are going to depress the vote. So I'm I'm liking the Democrats' chances at not only keeping the House now, but possibly gaining seats. Pelosi, back to the filth of San Francisco. My commitment to you is that my vote for Speaker of the U.S. House of Representatives will go to Donald J. Trump. Now, an update on the Matt Gates situation. Apparently, his buddy is asking for more time down in Florida because he wants to cooperate with the feds more. Interesting. The Trump as Speaker strategy has been floating around the right-wing internet for months. And for understandable reasons, becoming the Speaker of the House would bring Trump, who has repeatedly said he could retake the White House before 2024, the next presidential election, to third in line for the presidency behind Biden and VP Harris. If Trump became Speaker and an impeachment effort against Biden and Harris was successful, Trump would become President. There's not a chance in hell that would happen. Trump becoming Speaker of the House is possible, actually. Far more likely than he becomes president again that way. Because as we as we saw, you would need two-thirds of the Senate. That ain't fucking happening. The only flaw in this theory is that, as was the case with Trump's two impeachments, the Senate would need two-thirds. Yep, yep, yep. It's also the very small matter of Trump showing little interest in running for the House. Trump called the idea very interesting during an interview with right-wing radio host Wayne Allen Root last month, but soon walked it back, later telling Fox Business that it was highly unlikely he'd run for office in 2022. But, although there's no precedent for choosing a House Speaker who isn't actually a member of the House, the Constitution is ambiguous on the question, saying only that the House of Representatives shall uh, uh, choose their Speaker and other officers, and interestingly interestingly enough, several non-House members were nominated as Speaker in 2019 after the Democrats took the House, including Biden. But actually making a non-House member speaker would be a historical first. And as constitutional scholar David Forte told NBC News in 2015, the people who wrote the Constitution meant for the speaker to be an actual member of the House. It would have been unthinkable for the most populous House not to have a leader be part of the representatives who were elected by the people. A friend of mine agrees. Was Trump speaking about it? Fighting, 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 and I guess they don't like people that do that. But he's somebody who's very special in so many ways, and he's a very brave guy, Matt Gates. Accused sex trafficker, Matt Gates. Thank you, Matt. Thank you, Matt. A friend of mine, a great guy, he's now I didn't I didn't put the story in here 
uh, because it, it's all PR. It's a PR stunt. He's suing Facebook, Twitter, Google, whatever. If he actually goes through with the lawsuit, it will get dismissed. Not a chance in hell that it goes anywhere. But now, in terms of Trump legal matters, this one is interesting. Ivanka Trump could be the next target for Manhattan's district attorney, according to a former federal prosecutor. Manhattan District Attorney Cyrus Vance Jr. on Thursday charged the Trump Organization and its chief financial officer, Alan Weisselberg, with tax crimes as part of the investigation into whether Trump's company committed financial crimes. Cynthia uh, uh, Oxney, a legal analyst for MSNBC and a former assistant district attorney in Brooklyn, New York, said on Monday that the indictment unsealed last week indicated that Ivanka Trump could be next to face charges. Told MSNBC it's an opening salvo. Ordinarily or quite often, New York State indictments are not as detailed as this. And the prosecutors went to an amazing amount of effort to show Weisselberg we have everything we need. And they're really not only presenting uh, pressuring him to flip, but the amount of detail in this indictment tells me they're trying to tell other people, you have got to flip because we have everything. All right, so this is a uh, Trump biographer. Right. Uh, just make it up as you go along. On Ivanka. Well, it sure is classic Trump. And, you know, I think the IRS knows whether you're supposed to pay taxes on tuition paid for your grandchildren by your employer. And I think the answer is yes. <laughs> you know, the... the st- they're, they're referring to his comments at that rally in Sarasota where Trump was like, who even knows if you have to pay taxes when you pay your pay your friend's daughter's tuition or buy him a car? Who knows? I'm paraphrasing there, but it was something close to that. These guys did, you know, from keeping two sets of books to, you know, these exorbitant fringe benefits that they call fringe benefits, but are really half the pay that Alan Weisselberg received on an annual basis, it, it's all so obvious. You know, I the thing that really strikes, strikes me about all of this is how unsophisticated it is. This is just... Well, have you seen Trump? Um, the kind of things that almost anyone could imagine. And the minute they went looking, they found... You look up unsophisticated yeah, in the dictionary and there's a picture of Trump next to it. It seems. Uh, And Michael Cohen told CNN he knows how this is going to play out for Weisselberg because he lived through it. Let's listen. What you have right now is Alan Weisselberg's head on the chopping block. And do you think that Donald Trump will protect him? Well, if Alan. No. What happened to me? The answer is an emphatic no. So I think Trump would flip on Ivanka if given the chance. You know, he really is acting as if he is going to go down with the ship. You know, and I think this is astounding, given Michael Cohen's example. Um, but there's a, another thing that I notice in the president's or the former president's complaints. And his idea that, well, they're going after really good people and they would only be going after me uh, because of political motivations. Well, the big problem for him is that he invited all of this. He ran for president in the first place 
as a publicity scam. And that's sad. That's the sad part. If he hadn't got involved in politics, he probably would have got away with all this bullshit. ...tended to be elected president, and then when he became president, journalists started digging into the facts of his wealth, which... Wait, they had Blues Traveler at the 4th of July celebration? What? I, every time I hear a Blues Traveler song, all I can think about is that, like, look up the Vice article where it's like John Popper from Blues Traveler is stalking me. It is a wild story. <laughs> sorry, sorry, completely, completely off topic. Has always been in doubt. And then people that he really hurt, that he steamrollered over the years, leaked documents to the New York Times that gave the truth about his taxes for the world to see. Faced with all of that, the prosecutors had no choice but to go after him. So this idea that this is political is crazy. I mean, the prosecutors did kind of run on it. Practices that... To be fair. ...for more than a dozen years, and he's getting what he deserves. And and what's with all these... Damn right he is. ...having uh, tax problems and facing tax charges over the years. Well, this is obviously a way of doing business for an organization that more resembles organized crime than an ordinary corporation. You know, the other person who I think is in peril is Ivanka Trump. One of the things that Alan Weisselberg is in trouble for is taking money as a contractor and then claiming self-employed status so that he can get some of the retirement benefits that the tax code allows for self-employed people. Well, we know that Ivanka Trump got quite significant sums paid to her as non-employee compensation that freed the Trump organization from paying part of her taxes. And it put her in a status that I think the IRS would have lots of questions about. So. These folks don't know how to play the game straight. I think everything they do is crooked. <laughs> and Ain't that the truth? Everything! Now, Trump could be called to testify in the January 6th probe. Representative Clyburn, uh... Clyburn? God, I fucked... Representative Clyburn... Representative Clyburn... Boom! Then on Sunday, that Trump could be called to testify. Wherever the facts lead, uh, they may be able to get uh, what they want and need uh, without him testifying. Uh, I would not want to see a former president uh, testifying in such a situation as this. But if that's what it takes in order to get to the bottom of this, you wouldn't want it? More than any one person. Why the fuck wouldn't you want this one? I, this, why wouldn't you want it, Clyburn? Got it, Clyburn. You're on my shit list, son. After what you did to Bernie last year. On Wednesday, the House voted to create a select committee that would investigate the January 6th Capitol insurrection. Lots of news coming out about the insurrection, such as Representative Mo Brooks throwing Trump under the bus. This is from the Alabama Political Reporter. Uh, Josh Moon does a fantastic job. 
In a court filing last Friday, Congressman Mo Brooks laid blame, at least partially, on former President Donald Trump. I think he said partly. I said partially. Same difference. For Brooks' fiery speech at the January 6th rally, at which Brooks told the crowd it was time to take names and kick ass. The filing claimed Brooks would not have been speaking at the rally if not for Trump's invitation and said the content of the speech was cleared by the White House. So he's just saying, I'm doing what Trump told me to. The filing came in response to a lawsuit filed by Representative Eric Swalwell against Brooks and three others, including Trump, for inciting the January 6th insurrection that resulted in five deaths. Thanks to his speech, his involvement in the planning of the Trump rally, and his insistence on pushing the big lie, Brooks has been a central figure in the national outrage over what was one of the ugliest scenes in the history of the country. Brooks has run from the heat, offering an ever-changing list of excuses and explanations and blaming an odd assortment of people. Here's how his story has shifted and changed over the past six months. By the way, Brooks is running for Senate. He is running to replace Richard Shelby. First, Brooks claimed Antifa did it. The day after the Capitol attacks, Brooks began pushing the bogus claim that Antifa or some other leftists were responsible. Two days after the Antifa lie on January 9th, Brooks tried a new tactic. Defiance. I make no apology for doing my absolute best to inspire patriotic Americans to not give up our country and to fight back against anti-Christian socialists in the 2022 and 2024 elections. I don't think that's what he was talking about. He also claimed he was talking about Democrats during his defiant period. Brooks also landed on another talking point that he had learned that he had leaned on a few times, claiming that his reference to an ass in his kick-ass rally comments was referring to Democrats. The Democratic Party's mascot is a donkey. The Proud Boys did it was another one. In an abrupt 180, a month after claiming that he was proud to inspire patriots to act, Brooks claimed in a C-SPAN interview that the insurrection really wasn't that bad. You had 20 or 30 Al-Qaeda suicidal types in there. It could have been a horrible scene. And that good MAGAs had been infiltrated by bad MAGAs. Later in March, Brooks told AL.com that the attack wasn't his fault, but was instead fools who stormed the Capitol. On were the references to Antifa and leftists. In a court filing uh, responding to Swalwell's lawsuit, Brooks said his involvement in the January 6th rally and riot was merely his way of best representing his constituents. Whoa! Brooks claimed in the filing that he was only doing his job in representing the will of my constituents. By the way, I am one of Mo Brooks's constituents. He is my congressman. Mo, you were not representing me, you treasonous piece of shit. In the same court filing, Brooks also blamed the former president for his fiery speech. Brooks said in the court documents that he never would have been at that rally speaking had it not been for an invitation from the Trump White House. What do you say? What do you, good Christian... What the fuck? I make no apology for doing my absolute best to inspire patriotic Americans to not give up on our country and to fight back against anti-Christian socialists. 
anti-Christian socialists. The FBI says it has infiltrated a militia-style group's Bible study after tracking a suspect in the Capitol riot. These good Christians that Bo Brooks was referring to. A man charged with storming the Capitol on January the 6th is also said to have participated in a self-styled militia that referred to its meetings as Bible study and discussed surveilling the Capitol complex after the attack. Oh, wow. I am not going to be able to say his name correctly, so my apologies. I believe it's Mr. Dong. B. Dong, 27, was released to his home confinement on Friday after facing multiple charges, including disorderly conduct and obstruction of an official proceeding tied to the riot. In a complaint made public Tuesday, the FBI says an undercover police officer encountered Dong at the Capitol on the day when supporters of President Donald Trump breached the building. He described himself to the officer as an operator, the complaint said, adding that evidence showed he was later spotted inside the building wearing a Japanese-style mask. The complaint said roughly a week later, the undercover police officer connected Dong to an undercover FBI employee who embedded himself with Dong's group. So they were already under surveillance? Jesus! Or did they track them afterwards? I, the way this, the way it said it, it doesn't really let us know. The complaint said roughly a week later, the undercover police officer connected Dong to an undercover FBI employee who embedded himself with Dong's group. Speaking with the FBI contact, Dong said that he was part of a militia-like cloak-and-dagger group that can't be out in the open, and that his job was to find like-minded men to prepare for a worst-case scenario for Virginia. This is a quote from him in the complaint. I'm kind of at the point right now that I'm writing letters. I can't see the whole thing. Ah, shit. I'm kind of at the point right now where I'm writing letters to my son. If I get into a gunfight with the feds and I don't make it, I want to be able to transfer as much wisdom to my son as possible. I've got the manuscript. I've got my, what do you call it? I can't even think of the word. It's like what a lot of his manifesto. Their manifesto. Okay, he goes on to say manifestos. I'm writing my manifesto to my son about like, don't be consumed by the propaganda. Propaganda to these people is reality. (laughs) Ah, Jesus. So, while while Mr. Dong was able to get out, the QAnon shaman is not. He is still being held. Jacob Anthony Chansley is being held in the Inglewood... Oh, shit. Make me turn off my ad blocker. He's being held in the Eaglewood Federal Correctional Institution. (laughs) 
Casually known as the QAnon shaman who was among the most recognizable faces of the January 6th insurrection at the U.S. Capitol is undergoing a competency evaluation at federal prison, according to a federal legal document. Casley is at the Inglewood Federal Correctional Institution, awaiting trial on six criminal charges, including violent entry. Photos and videos of Chancellor showed him among the rioters who broke into the U.S. Capitol, stole a door, in an attempt to overturn the fair presidential election. Chancellor's face was painted red, white, and blue, and he wore a furry headpiece with long black horns and carried an American flag. Oh, God. Speaking of QAnon, disgraced General Michael Flynn... He put out a video a couple weeks ago. I think we watched it on the show. Uh, his family says that the QAnon oath video, that's, that's just their family's motto. That's not them like being QAnon weirdos. They're just reciting a family motto. Family of disgraced former national security advisor and current QAnon influencer Michael Flynn says that a video of them taking a QAnon oath is in fact part of a simple Flynn family tradition. That is a claim being made by Flynn's brother and sister-in-law, Jack Flynn and Leslie Flynn, in a new court filing related to the couple's $75 million defamation lawsuit against CNN. They filed a defamation lawsuit against CNN for reporting the truth. Wow. Unfortunately, CNN will probably settle. Because that's, that's what they're going... It's going to be cheaper for CNN to say... Because, like, the Flynn's probably just want CNN to admit they were wrong, so they'll settle for, like, $1,000, which is way less than CNN would be out to fight the case. That's what they did with the, uh, um... The kid that was in the face of the, um... Protester at the Capitol from the, uh, from the Coving- Covington High School in Kentucky. They sued CNN, and they... One, but CNN settled with them. I guarantee, I guarantee it was for fucking pennies. It was less than CNN would have been out to actually fight it and win. But I think CNN should fight it and win since their reputation is on the line. Lawsuit relates to a CNN report from February 4th that features a two-second clip of a video posted to Twitter by Michael Flynn on July 4th, 2020, showing him and his family all reciting an oath of allegiance that includes the phrase, Where we go one, we go all. I, Jack Flynn, do solemnly swear, do solemnly swear, that I will support and defend, that I will support and defend, the Constitution of the United States, the Constitution of the United States, against all enemies, foreign and domestic, Against all enemies, foreign and domestic, that I will bear true faith and allegiance to the same. That I will bear true faith and allegiance to the same. That I take this obligation freely. That I take this obligation freely, without any mental reservation. Without any mental reservation. For purpose of evasion. For purpose of evasion. And that I will well and faithfully. This is so fucking. Discharge the duty. Discharge the duty. Psychotic. Now it is from some fucking movie. That's where the QAnons got it from. It's like the Hunt for Red October or some shit. I think I'm wrong. That was a good movie. I, I think it was a lesser known movie. Well, some QAnoners believe. 
While some QAnon believers claim the phrase is taken from an inscription on a boat owned by former President John F. Kennedy, the reality is that it's simply a phrase from a 1990s sailing movie, White Squall. <laughs> this guy on Twitter says, I'm not a lawyer, but it's bizarre to see anyone argue that the digital soldier oath doesn't signify support for QAnon or isn't an oath. Agreed! But their filing says it was not an oath of allegiance to QAnon or any kind of oath at all. It was simply a family July 4th statement of support for each other. But the argument that was all just an extraordinary coincidence of having a family motto that exactly mimics a well-known QAnon phrase is somewhat undermined by the fact that Michael Flynn shared uh, the video on Twitter alongside the QAnon-linked hashtag, Take the Oath. Like, they don't have a case against CNN. That's what they're hoping for, is that they settle. Promise you. What they say? 70-something million? $75 million defamation lawsuit. For reporting the facts. Now, the QAnons are kind of upset. That was a Ridley Squat... Uh, a Ridley... Oh, a Ridley Scott movie? I did not know that. I've never seen it. QAnon is mad at Trump World Twitter clone Getter because of all the porn. They're upset about a free speech free speech site having a lot of porn. Wow. QAnon followers are angry that Team Trump's new social media platform is allowing users to mock them and post porn and bad words and stuff. Getter is the Twitter clone that is literally stealing content from Twitter, launched by Jason Miller, a former senior advisor to former President Donald Trump. The app will uh, be officially launched on Sunday. I guess it was last Sunday. Or maybe it's this one. I don't fucking know. Oh, it launched on the 4th of July. Okay, this article is from July 2nd. Apparently it's already been hacked a few times. <laughs> The app, which is full of privacy and security bugs, is positioning itself as the latest social network to be the last bastion of free speech on the internet. Gitter's own tagline makes it clear that this is not a platform for snowflakes. Fighting cancel culture, promoting common sense, defending free speech, challenging social media monopolies, and creating a true marketplace of ideas. But that defense of free speech doesn't extend to pornography or bad words. According to the app's own terms of service, the company reserves the right to address content that comes to our attention that we believe is pornographic, as well as material it views as offensive, obscene, lewd, lavacious, filthy, violent, harassing, threatening, abusive, illegal, or otherwise objectionable or inappropriate. That was close to being a George Carlin bit. All these words to describe it, and all I could come up with was shit, fuck, motherfucker, cocksucker, I fucked it up badly. <laughs> The Seven Deadly Words, I believe is the name of it. Sears, Kmart, full shirt, calling Ashley Babbitt an American patriot because... What? 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 I... What? (laughs) They were selling a shirt? Calling Ashley Babbitt an American patriot. 
Deers and Kmart had pulled a t-shirt from their website that referred to Ashley Babbitt, the woman who was shot and killed by a Capitol Police officer during the January 6th Capitol riot, as an American patriot. The shirt, which also included a faded black and white American flag, prompted backlash from social media users Tuesday after Vox's Aaron Rupert tweeted a screenshot of the item of clothing, as well as the links to the product on Sears and Kmart's website. I knew Sears and Kmart were struggling, but shit. They really have to jump on to the conspiracy theory bandwagon? Hours after Rupert's initial tweet, the official Sears account responded, writing that the product was no longer available for purchase. Apparently, they tweeted back to Rupert that uh, they thank him for bringing this product to their attention. As of Wednesday, the URLs that previously led to the product on the Sears and Kmart websites now say, Yikes! <laughs> I doubt the Yikes. It's probably one of those, you know, 404 not available pages. All right. It's time to hit the content warning. This one's going to break your heart. Remember the young lady who filmed the George Floyd death? She won an honorary Pulitzer Prize. Uh, She had some horrible news to share last night as the Minneapolis police crashed into her uncle and killed him as they were pursuing someone else. This is a scene of the wreck that the cops caused. Darnella Frazier posted, I honestly can't believe I'm making this post right now. I'm so hurt. Nothing feels weird. Uh, uh, Nothing feels real. I woke up to the most horrible news. Minneapolis police killed my uncle. Another black man lost his life in the hands of police. I've said it over and over again. The police have no business pursuing people. Get a license plate. Fucking, you go to their house, whatever the fuck. This is the kind of shit that happens when cops engage in high-speed pursuits. Apparently, it was a residential area. That it was like a 25, 35-mile-per-hour road. This was just breaking last night. Let's see if we can... This is an independent reporter, Georgia Fort. She's fantastic. I, uh, I encourage you to follow her. Lanil Frazier was caught in the crash at the intersection of 41st Avenue and North Lindale Avenue, according to his daughter. He was on his way to his girlfriend's home at the time. Frazier's car was in critical condition. Fucking the police car is mangled as fuck. The police officer suffered non-life-threatening injuries, according to the media. The innocent person died, and the shithead that caused it lived. According to uh, Minneapolis Police Department, their policy requires lights and sirens to be activated during the pursuit. According to a neighbor, she says she did not hear sirens or see lights leading up to the crash. So it looks like another case of police malfeasance. But hey, what else is new? Let me hit it again because 
Cops in Rhode Island decided to shoot a group of teens that were picking up pizza. And it was an off-duty cop, too. An off-duty Rhode Island cop shot an 18-year-old driver last month after he saw an Audi full of teenagers speeding and tried to stop the vehicle in a pizzeria parking lot, according to court documents. Now Pawtucket... Wait, Pawtucket is a real... I didn't know Pawtucket was a real town. First of all, I don't think Rhode Island is a real state. I've said it a million times. I've never met anybody from Rhode Island. I don't... I don't know anybody that's met anybody from Rhode Island. I don't think Rhode Island is real. But I thought Pawtucket was the name of the fucking town and family guy that was fictitious. So, learn something new tonight. Pawtucket police officer Daniel Dolan is facing criminal charges, including assault with a dangerous weapon over the June 23rd incident. Authorities announced on Thursday he's also on leave from the department, so he's still getting paid. We've got the we've got surveillance video from the Wicked Good Pizza in West Greenwich, which shows the moments when an off-duty Pawtucket police officer shot an 18-year-old man. What the, what the fuck? He's, he's in a work truck. That's like a GMC, like 3,500 or some shit with a modified flatbed in the back. (laughs) Yes, I canceled Rhode Island. Were they a swinging couple, RB? Is there fun in Rhode Island? I, I what the fuck indeed? That so apparently this dude it doesn't even look like the car that he's chasing was speeding. That's his that's his reasoning. This is a man in a not an official vehicle, not in uniform. Looked like he was just cornering them in a parking lot. I think there's something more to this. This looked like a fucking ambush. Not that he was just an off-duty cop that saw somebody speeding and was like, "Oh, I need to, I need to do something about this." Look at this dickhead. Pulls the pulls a gun right out. Okay, oh, that was his badge, but he's got his gun too. So I don't, I don't know that we actually saw the shooting there. The Audi's driver, Dominic Vincent, survived the shooting but suffered a fractured humerus bone, according to Howe. The incident, which was partially captured on surveillance uh, footage obtained by WPRI, has also traumatized him and the other boys in the vehicle. I bet! Vincent told investigators that he and two other teens in the Audi were picking up snacks and a pizza ahead of a basketball game and sleepover that night when the officer's large white pickup truck attempted to suddenly box them in. Dolan said the Audi had sped past him on the highway, traveled in the breakdown lane, and overtaken two vehicles. He wanted to talk to the driver and prevent him from possibly injuring somebody. But since Dolan was off duty, he wasn't driving a police vehicle or wearing his uniform, so Vincent didn't know if he was a real officer, he told investigators. Of course! 
Vincent did, however, spot Dolan's badge and gun. Vincent told investigators he was panicking at the time and that Dolan screamed he was going to shoot him. After that threat, the teen said he put his foot to the floor according to the charging documents. Dolan told investigators he believed he was about to be hit. The kid was backing up because you were coming at him with a gun! Oh my god! The off-duty cop, Dolan, told investigators he believed he was about to be hit, but Vincent said the vehicle was only moving two or three miles per hour. We just saw the video. Cops fucking lie. Dolan told investigators he thought that if Vincent drove forward, he was going to take me onto the roadway with him and kill me. The incident began, according to Dolan, after he ended his shift consumed a sip of beer and spotted the teenagers. He admits! He admits he was intoxicated! The cop admits to drinking and driving! It says at the scene, Dolan submitted to a field sobriety test, which he passed. He displayed a zero blood alcohol content in his preliminary breath test, according to the charging documents, but I wouldn't doubt that the cops lied on his behalf. Dolan said he initially assumed the Audi had been used in a crime or involved in a high-speed pursuit with police, but continued driving because he didn't see any kind of chase himself, according to charging documents. Eventually, he lost sight of the Audi, pulled off the highway where he witnessed the same vehicle driving into Wicked Good Pizza. Dolan followed behind him. Once in the parking lot, he hopped out of his truck, presented his badge, and told the vehicle to stop, at which point the Audi started to back up. Once Dolan believed that he might be hit, he fired his weapon. He then got back into his car and once again followed the boys, who had driven off a short distance before coming to a stop. After they were all together again, Vincent allegedly told Dolan he thought he was going to die and pleaded for help, according to charging documents. Dolan told investigators that he called 911 and wrapped a sweatshirt around Vincent's arm in a makeshift tourniquet. You know it. I I do not believe for a second he blew a zero. Wow. Dolan is scheduled for an arraignment on July 16th, according to a statement from the Rhode Island Attorney General's Office, which is in which investigated the incident along with other law enforcement agencies. Fucking shit. And another one. Oh. Exactly. The whole feared for my life bullshit. This one is also infuriating. Black woman was pinned down and stripped naked while male officers watched. They said it was at the scene. So, an hour later, probably. I I don't believe. I This sounds like he was fucking drunk. After being arrested for allegedly driving drunk, a 31-year-old mother of three was taken to an Illinois jail where she was held down and forcibly stripped naked in front of male officers. 
Corrections officers say the woman, Ariel Harrison, was uncooperative and that they only removed her clothes because she wouldn't comply with their orders to undress. You don't strip search somebody for a DUI. But she says she was afraid of being sexually assaulted, which she should be, knowing how prevalent it is with cops. It's something like 27 states. It's not even illegal for a cop to rape you. So she said she was afraid of being sexually assaulted and that she shouldn't have been detained in the first place. They pulled me over. They didn't really explain to me. They just pulled me out of my car. Violation of the Fourth Amendment. Harrison told Vice News she said she hadn't had any alcohol that day despite a police report that says she consumed two shots of fireball whiskey before driving. Cops lie all the time. Harrison, who's black, was driving around Macomb County, Illinois on October 26, 2019 when police pulled her over after receiving a call about a vehicle driving recklessly. Officers allege she was driving under the influence, but Harrison, who's blind in her left eye, says she was never tested and was tased multiple times before being transported to the jail in the back of a police vehicle. Sounds about right. Harrison has already been found guilty. What? Of four charges, and she's awaiting sentencing on August 10th. The state attorney uh, told Vice News that her attorney has filed a standard motion for a new trial, but that he could not comment further on the case. In a statement shared with Vice News, the Makeup County or Makeup Police Department says it stands by the officer's account of what happened after investigating the incident internally. Oh, the police investigated the police. The uh, McDonough County Sheriff's Office, which runs the county jail where Harrison was held, didn't respond to a request for comment. One of her initial court appearances, Harrison said her public defender failed to dispute the police's claims that she was resisting arrest. So the Democratic Women of McDoo County, a local organization fighting racial and social injustice, stepped in to help make her case. And it was within the last two months the organization has helped Harrison obtain and release two videos of what happened in the jail the night she was arrested. Oh, Jesus. So, content warning. Yeah, they wouldn't release the footage. They had to get this from a FOIA request. <laughs> uh, this is inhumane. And look look at that cell. That's inhumane. Why, why are they trying to strip her anyway? You don't strip search for alcohol. Stop 
she she shouldn't have had to change out to a jumpsuit before her arraignment. None of this makes any sense. This poor woman. Hey, right-wingers, this is the state doing this to an American citizen. All you fuckheads talking about how great this country is. This is the government doing it to an American citizen. Get mad about it. Wow. First video obtained from the jail through a Freedom of Information Act request shows security footage of three officers. We just watched the second video, uh, which was released last month, takes place hours later. In the footage, Harrison uh, approaches the door of the cell. The video was released without audio to confirm the rights violations in the least traumatizing way possible, apparently. Already suffered a head injury, a period of unconsciousness, multiple tasings. This poor woman being treated like a fucking animal. Pointing a taser at her again. I just, I. This is exactly what our Constitution is supposed to protect us against. You constitutional conservatives that suck cock cock all the time. Still got the taser pointed at her. She's she's just sitting there. She doesn't she doesn't want to take her fucking clothes off in front of you pigs. Of course. Jesus Christ. Land of the free, my ass. No, right-wingers just want you to recite, like, we're the greatest country ever. We can do no wrong and not get pissed off about this shit. Complete bullshit. This is torture. And it really seems like this woman did not get proper legal representation, also against the Constitution. These corrections officers should be fired and charged. Oh my God. And I can't believe... I can't believe... Imagine how embarrassing it is to have footage of this happening to you. I, God, this woman deserves millions. And that's, that's another thing I'm pissed off about. You fiscal conservatives, why aren't you upset about the amount of money municipalities have to pay out because of incidents like this? 
All three of these pigs are pieces of shit. And then they just leave her in the cell naked. What? I don't I don't even I don't even know what their purpose was of stripping her down. Just, oh my God, disgusting. Instead of giving Harrison privacy to follow the orders, the video shows the female officer with the taser beginning to remove Harrison's top as the male officer watches. Jail staff typically have the ability to conduct searches of individuals, but they must be done reasonably and comply with federal standards. Another video provided to Vice News shows Harrison putting a piece of clothing around her neck and standing on the toilet, although she says she has no memory of trying to harm herself. It's unclear if the incident contributed to the jail's decision to search her. Harrison, who is currently staying in Chicago to avoid further harassment from the police in Macomb County, says she spent a total of six days in jail before she was released on bond. Just, just by their charges, the, the, accusing her of DUI, she should have been released the next morning. Harrison's encounter with the uh, Macomb Police Department began after she dropped her off her kids, ages 6, 12, and 13, at the local YMCA. She then stopped to offer a ride to a stranger caught in the rain when she saw the police behind her with their lights on. Believing that the officers were trying to move ahead of her in pursuit of someone else, Harrison pulled over to the left side of the road and kept moving. Police followed Harrison for just over two minutes before she realized she was the one being pulled over. When two officers approached her car, Harrison said she struggled to inform them that the driver's side window couldn't be rolled down. She instead unlocked her door, after which the situation escalated. She said the officers then pulled the door open and began to bark orders at her. Harrison was intoxicated during the encounter, according to the rest report, which I do not believe. Officers say they smelled booze from the car and observed her with bloodshot, watery eyes and slurred speech. They also say her passenger later told them at the station that she watched Harrison take two shots of fireball whiskey. But Harrison says she simply froze up while being given a flurry of orders. We've watched the videos like that numerous times. Harrison also says the officers never told her why she was being pulled over, nor did they use a breathalyzer or conduct any other sobriety test. So basically they're saying that the stranger she picked up, that they may have harassed to get a a confession out of, that's all the evidence they have. In the state of Illinois, however, police can arrest someone on probable cause if they have reason to believe they've had a drink. Wow. Fucking bullshit. This situation, this situation proves why this situation is needed. If you see someone pulled over by the cops, you should probably stop and make sure they're okay. This piece coming to us from the Daily Dot, they may have saved her life. Police stop a black woman and countless cars pull over to check on her. 
when I see a young African-American woman screaming for help. And it's three to four white police with the guns drawn on her. And she's unarmed. And this happened in Missouri. You damn right I'm showing up. Now, I can't see from the video, but apparently they had guns drawn on her. And showing out. Until I find out what it's all about. Anytime I see cops out. Whip that phone out. Hell, even if you're not recording, whip your phone out. Just to fucking put the fear of it in them. As if they care. We've seen cops do absolutely egregious things when they know they're being recorded. She deserves the same respect that homegrown terrorists got. You're not just gone shoot her over a traffic violation. My God. Why the fuck do they need that many cops? Not today. When I pulled over, everyone pulled over. That's what we need. More of... I don't know if he had a taser or something out. Four to five men. I like how TikTok uh, labeled this as this action in the vi- or the action in this video could result in serious injury. Yeah, from the cops. From a distance, the man riding with the woman is swiftly taken out of the car by Missouri police. It's unclear which police department was involved. Drivers began pulling over to investigate the situation. Actually, have an account. Do we have a news report? We don't actually know what happened in that situation, but I do encourage you to always do things to keep the cops honest because, you know, cops are liars, cops are racist-ass pigs. Keeping them honest includes punching them in the face when they say racist-ass shit. Knoxville police investigate off-duty cop who was punched after making racist comments. The Knoxville Police Department has opened an internal investigation into the conduct of an off-duty officer accused of making racist comments in a parking lot after a wedding two weeks ago. Tanner Holt, who sounds like a fucking Nazi, is white. 
A police report says he repeatedly made racist remarks to a black man who was also attending the wedding, including telling the man that he didn't know they let black people in the reception hall. The man knocked out the officer with a punch to the face after he warned him to quit making racist remarks. The man has not been charged with a crime, as well he should not be. The incident took place on June 26th, just over a week after Knox News exclusively reported about how the Knoxville police commanders helped cover up an officer's racist harassment in 2019. Six current and former officers told Knox News that the department tolerates a culture of racism. The department has a policy that says officers can't behave in an immoral, indecent, lewd, or disorderly manner, even when they're not in uniform. The department has promised a thorough and expedient investigation. Yeah, we'll see how that works out. But I'm glad the cop got what was coming to him. Now, the Attorney General, the next state over of Alabama, trying to stop a sheriff who was going on trial from actually naming names of other sheriffs doing exactly what he's doing. Alabama Attorney General seeks a finger-pointing ban in Limestone County Sheriff Mike Blakely's criminal trial. State prosecutors are asking the judge in Limestone County to keep uh, Mike Blakely from using and everyone is doing it and the state is picking on me defense, which I'm cool with that. That is not a defense to use in court. However... Sir, if others are doing it, please tell us about it. They don't want Blakely naming other officials engaged in similar activities he is charged in. Blakely faces 11 ethics and theft charges and could lose his post. Wait, could lose his post. He's he's awaiting trial and he's still the goddamn sheriff. And spend decades in jail if convicted. In a motion filed Tuesday, Alabama Attorney General Steve Marshall and Assistant Attorney General Jasper Roberts Jr. asked the court to exclude any evidence or argument about other state employees, public uh, public officers, or public officials having engaged in conduct or acts similar to the actions they allege against Blakely, but have not been prosecuted. Prosecutors explaining they submitted this last-minute motion because they only learn Blakely intends to offer evidence of other public employees engaging in acts similar during his trial. They argue that information has no relevance in the case against Blakely and would muddy the waters. A judge has not yet ruled on the motion. If I remember correctly, he was accused of using the jail funds... See, for some reason, the sheriff can use the jail funds at their discretion. And if they have money left over, they can pocket it. And that's what this sheriff was doing. He was skimming on everything that he could, including food in the jail, so that he could pocket the extra money. Taxpayer dollars going to finance his corruption. And yes, that is a very common practice around Alabama and other small towns. People wonder why we hate the cops. Jesus! To the stories I just did. Those stories. 
All those not indicate that the cops are corrupt as fuck. It is no wonder people in the U.S. have this opinion of the cops. Two women stole a Blue Lives Matter flag and we're getting ready to watch them set it on fire. Thank you, Arby. Keep him honest. Small towns are some of the worst. By the way, this story came to us from the New York Post. Because they made a big deal about the women setting the Blue Lives Matter flag on fire. I don't know why. Who gives a shit? If I ever see one out in the wild, I am totally stealing it. And I will piss on it. I'll shit on it. I'll set it on fire. I don't give a shit. Whatever. You guys can decide what I can do with it. I'm known for stealing flags, by the way. If I see a Confederate flag, I steal it. Curious, sir, are you in here? She will vouch for that. She saw me steal two Confederate flags. I don't think I have them anymore. I think I gave them back to her. I didn't steal them from her. She saw me steal them from somebody she knew. I gave them to her as a as a souvenir, I believe. There we go. Took them a little bit to get the flame going, it looks like. Good job, ladies. Do it. I'm not saying I advocate stealing other people's property. But you totally should. I mean, I might have confiscated a couple street signs in my time. You've got a dad that works in construction. He probably has the bit that you need. Just saying. So, good on you, ladies. I enjoy you burning the flag. New York Post had to write a whole article about it. Just to gin up more faux nationalism from your stupid-ass followers. Let's talk about gun laws in Tennessee, shall we? I actually have a stand-up bit. Uh, God, I haven't even done that bit in a while. I can't remember. Um, When Tennessee passed a law that you could carry a gun in a bar, (laughs) I had a whole bit about that. It was really... Oh, fuck. I don't remember how it goes. Been a while since I did that bit. Tennessee manager sounds off after customer leaves purse with loaded gun in restaurant. For those of you who don't know, uh, July 1st, uh, permitless carry law in Tennessee went into effect. A Memphis restaurant manager sounded off on social media after a customer left a loaded gun inside a purse at his restaurant. Fox 13 reports the manager at Bayou Bar and Grill took to Twitter to voice his concerns. Looks like the permitless carry law in Tennessee is off to a good start. 
This was left at a table in the restaurant last night. Way to go, Governor Lee. Followed up with another tweet. Hey, y'all. Anyone find my loaded gun? I left it up here while I was having wings and shooters last night. LOLs, my bad. The owner told Fox 13 that he handed the gun into police. A tactical training business owner said it's the responsibility of gun owners to keep it safe and secure. That's the problem. That's the problem. Most people are fucking idiots. But hey, we've seen a lot of propaganda from the right about crime being on the rise, though it's it's, it's really not. Still at historically low levels. It's had a slight uptick in the last few years. Rising crime in cities like Chicago should not lead to more policing. This is an op-ed in Teen Vogue. Yes, Teen Vogue. Teen Vogue is awesome. I was on my way to work as a public defender when I heard that a seven-year-old girl named Jacelyn was shot to death in the back of her in the back seat of her dad's car while at a McDonald's drive-through. The shooting happened on Chicago's west side near my office. I felt deep sadness for that young life lost, like so many others, to violence she couldn't control and probably wouldn't have been able to understand. I felt that same perpetual fear and anguish about my neighborhood where shootings have long been so prevalent that my dog knows the difference between a gunshot and fireworks. Then I felt outrage, but my outrage was not directed at the person who pulled the trigger. I know he or she was most likely a survivor of violence he or she could not control, of a daily traumatic oppression by hyper-policing and surveillance, of being trapped with literally no way out, of shame, of isolation, maybe even in and out of the incarceral system. Now, this, this is me editorializing after I finished her words. The prison system breeds criminals. You put somebody in a, a jail cell, like we saw the young lady that was incarcerated earlier, and you treat them like that. And then you wonder why they act in an inhuman fashion. My my outrage was about how a tragic death was once again being weaponized by the media, police, leaders, and lawmakers to scare the public into thinking reform is the culprit and more police is the answer. As many people have pointed out, if more police led to less crime, we should be the safest nation in, in the history of the world. The TV reports and local news coverage parroted police talking points while exposing the criminal record of the little girl's father. Wow. Who was seriously wounded during the incident. Meanwhile, Chicago leaders used the opportunity to become fear mongers about violent criminals, slamming modest reforms that have been barely that have barely had a chance to take hold, let alone create any kind of uh, causation. It is simple. Ah, it is simple. I, my pot dealer needs to get back in town. I've got two more fucking days. Apparently I can't do this shit. (laughs) It is simple. They told us like every time before we need more police officers and more black people in cages. Once again, this narrative became the prevailing one. And once again, people are accepting it. 
It's because that's what they want to believe. It's because these dumb fuck right-wingers that are in power want to believe that. Because it doesn't challenge their power. The pattern of fear-driven, uh, fear-driven policing is not limited to Chicago. For the past half-century, politicians and police, enabled by an all-too-willing media... And that's another thing. I see a lot of comments about how the media demonizes cops. No, I worked in the media. We sucked We sucked cop cock all the time. It was easy stories for me to report whatever the fucking cop called and told me. Enabled by an all-too-willing media have weaponized tragedies, cherry-picked statistics, and become fear-mongers over crime. They've done so to convince people that somehow it's a good idea to support the same costly, wasteful, racist, and yes, violent strategies of policing and criminalization that continue to create conditions that allow little black girls to get shot in what would be the safety of their parents' car at McDonald's. So I encourage everyone to go to Teen Vogue and finish reading that piece. As a public defender talking about crime, I'm sure they get into uh, all the details. Now, I would like to move on to a story that I know is not getting enough attention because I haven't seen it. I consume leftist media. So... I haven't seen hardly anybody talk about it, so let's talk about it here. Community members, businesses show support for Frito-Lay's workers on strike by donating food, money, and pay bills. I don't drink soda. I rarely ever eat junk food. I cook most of my shit from scratch. However, I'm going to make sure that when I order groceries that I do not order anything that it comes from Frito-Lay, PepsiCo, any of those products. I encourage anyone watching this to also check out what Frito-Lay produces and to not cross the proverbial line. Community support is rolling in for Frito-Lay workers on strike in Topeka, Kansas. Going into the second day of the first strike outside of Topeka's Frito-Lay plant in nearly 50 years, a local relief fund has been set up to cover some union members' utility bills as area businesses showed support for those on the front line. Members of Local 218 of Bakery, Confectionery, Tobacco Workers, and Grain Millers Union went on strike Monday after about 400 members voted down over the weekend a recent contract offer from Frito-Lay. The strike will last for an indefinite amount of time and workers participating in the boycott are going without pay until it concludes. Given some union members may struggle struggle financially during that time, a local relief fund organized by 785 Magazine aims to raise enough money to cover each union member's water bill for the month of July. Beautiful. As of mid-afternoon on Tuesday, about 20 people had donated to the fund, raising close to $1,000. Fund organizers hope to raise more than $24,000 by 8 p.m. July 23rd to cover strikers' water bills this month. The fundraiser may be found online at 785.com forward slash local 218 utility relief fund. I am going to copy the link. I should be able to post links. Unlike you fucks. There you go. 
If you feel so inclined, please donate to the union workers. I would do it on the screen where you guys can see, but, uh, you know, financial information. What's up, Adam? Let's talk about some other workers' rights. Iceland's four-day work week has been deemed an overwhelming success after trial. Has been working 13-hour days launching her latest project. And while it's paid off for her business, it could be costing her her health. At the end of the day, my back hurts, my eyes hurt, every, my brain hurts, um, and every day I wake up. And I'm brain fog. According to a new study mm-hmm. from the World Health Organization and International Labor Organization, working more than 55 hours a week could lead to premature death. Stress in one's life, both directly... I, I think we should have like a 30-hour work week, 28-hour work week. Health behaviors that people might have uh, could contribute to the development of many chronic diseases. Including the study found a 35% greater risk of stroke and 17% huh. Is it is it odd? Is it a coincidence that my generation is the first generation to have a shorter life expectancy than previous generations? Could that have something to do with this rat race capitalism we're constantly participating in? Thanks to working from home and being constantly connected. There is a sense of guilt. There's a sense of obligation. Maybe you should be responding to the needs of your employer. Hassan Youssef, president of the Canadian Labor Congress. Fifteen hour. I mean, when I say uh, twenty five or twenty eight hour work week, thirty hour work week, I'm saying what I I am saying what I think we could do realistically right now in our system. I have I have always advocating advocated for lowering the work week. Because then you drive up the cost of labor. I am for anything that drives up the cost of labor. Six hours, four days a week? Sounds great. I mean, studies show you only get about three or four hours of work done at work. Sitting at a job. Iceland, where they shortened the work week, led to better outcomes for workers and employers alike. And employers alike. That's one of those things. Capitalism promotes this short-term short term gain. And we know for a fact that if you invest in your employees, there was a study that Denny's conducted that showed that paying their employees more resulted in better customer satisfaction and resulted in more business for them. Simple economics. Yeah, Adam, you missed you missed uh, uh, all the stories about climate change and shit. And how we're probably not going to live another you know thirty years. That's what we opened with tonight. So the trial involved trimming people's work hours without trimming their pay in order to see how it would affect their health, happiness, and productivity. Iceland rolled out the trial to. 2,500 workers across a variety of industries from 2015 to 2019 as part of an experiment run by the UK-based think tank Autonomy and Iceland's Association for Sustainable Democracy. Many employers cut their work week from 40 hours to 35 or 36, 
workplaces also specifically uh, focused on being more efficient during their limited hours by cutting meetings, altering work patterns, and reorganizing shift work. Employees reported a dramatic improvement in their well-being, including lower stress and a better work-life balance over the trial period. Productivity improved or remained the same in a majority of cases. Remain the same or improved. I, I'm a policy wonk. I'm into electoral politics. I actually saw a libertarian page share out, uh, is it time for revolution? Have you knocked on doors? Have you donated to candidates? Have you voted in the midterms? Blah, 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 blah. If you answered no to any of those questions, then it's not time for a revolution. Yes, mismanagement is wasting our time and then complaining about workout. Yes, 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 yes. I I can't remember what it was, but it, like it was a study done like in office settings. People only got like three hours of work done in an eight-hour day. The rest of the day was useless. I might be off on the on the time on that, but it was something like that. It's only a fraction of the day. All right, now, we got the Olympics coming up. Now, I am of the opinion that the Olympics are nothing but a collection of sports that no one would pay to watch individually. But some people are really into it. Apparently not this woman who was arrested for trying to put out the Olympic torch with a water gun. (laughs) A 53-year-old woman in Japan was arrested on Sunday for shooting a water gun at the Olympic torch during a relay as she protested the decision to hold the Tokyo Games amid the pandemic. This might have been last Sunday. <laughs> That's great. I'm sa- I'm sad she didn't succeed. That's fantastic. How's it already in Japan? Doesn't it go all over the world? Yes, yes, she's a hero. Are are we that close? Does it start like next week or something? Shit. One more time. (laughs) It's kind of amazing how nonchalant they were. I I want to look into exactly like what they do to that fucking torch to keep it going. It must have some kind of shit that sprays, you know, accelerant on it or some shit. You can't shoot water at people for no good reason. <laughs> she clearly wasn't playing around. This isn't child play. But the uh, deputy police chief said of the woman. The Tokyo Summer Games are set to begin on July 23rd. So about two weeks after they were postponed for a year. I, but I, like, doesn't the torch travel all over the world on its way to, like, wouldn't it, 
like, wouldn't it be in Japan for, like, the last one? But then again, they are walking, so if they're going, like, the entire length of Japan. <laughs> yeah, I never see whispers. I'll be like, oh, shit, somebody whispered at me. And usually it's somebody yelling that some kind of Nazi a Nazi came into our fucking discord the other day posted 88 strobing gifts insane five women have been banned from the Tokyo Olympics event because while while the woman was protesting holding the Olympics because of the pandemic there are other reasons to protest the Olympics going on right now The Namian Olympic Committee said last week that Christine Mumba, Bomba, and Beatrice Mazaling, Mazalingi had been withdrawn from the 400-meter event after medical tests revealed high testosterone numbers. They are banning women for having high testosterone numbers. Five female distance sprinters set to compete at the Tokyo Olympics have been barred from specific events due to their high natural testosterone levels. Wow. (laughs) Yelling in a whisper, that's bad. I just... World athletic rules stipulate that women competing in races between 400 meters and a mile are required to have testosterone levels below 5 nanomoles per liter. What the fuck? Competition has also been derailed for two-time South African Olympian uh, Castor Semenya. Francine I am sorry, I'm fucking your name up. Please. Nayon Sabi. Nayon Saba. And Margaret Wambua of Kenya. They were all prohibited from taking part in the 800 meter event at Tokyo. The Namian sprinters who posted top performances in 2021 competitions were tested at a training camp in Italy. Results from the testing center indicate that both athletes have a naturally high testosterone level. So you're worried about fairness in women's sports, so you're banning women in women's sports. Yeah, that's what I, I that's what I thought that they traveled all around the world and then made it to like I just I thought it was odd that it was already in Japan but I guess like if it's if it's traveling the distance of Japan it probably would take it two weeks to get to uh Tokyo is that where they're holding it is it like some city outside of Tokyo Speaking of shit being banned at the Olympics, apparently the U.S. and our stupidity is behind the reason why Shikari Richardson can't run in the Olympics. I do want to address something before we get started with this story. 
Apparently, she had some uh, tweets she made when she was a teenager. Uh, one of them seemed to have been some internalized homophobia because she apparently she she's gay, as I understand it. I'm man. I'm sorry. I can't give you something to take the edge off. I don't have any myself. What is that? I've not seen one that looks like that, sir. Is that some sort of barbiturate? Shikari Richardson's Olympic ban over weed is America's fault. Oh, oh, but she also, she had some tweet dissing Little Nas X, but apparently she's a Christian or some shit. A little blue one. It is blue. Whatever he's got in his mouth is blue. The saga of Shikari Richardson, the fastest woman in the United States, banned from competing in the upcoming Tokyo Olympics after a drug test revealed she used cannabis last month, has united America in a way that COVID-19 could not. The conventional wisdom from just about everyone, President Joe Biden, USA Track and Field, Blabbermouth on Twitter and Richardson herself is that the 21-year-old athlete didn't do anything terribly wrong when she smoked some weed to deal with the emotional turmoil after learning from a reporter about her biological mother's death as she recounted Friday on the Today Show. But as Biden said on Saturday, the rules are the rules. Whether they should remain the rules is a different issue, but the rules are the rules. USATF hid behind the same tautology on Tuesday when it announced that although Richardson's suspension ends in time for her to participate in the 4x100-meter relay, she won't run in Tokyo at all. But exactly whose rules are these rules about cannabis in the Olympics? Because as many people pointed out, the only the only fucking competition in which weed... Is a performing enhance, a performance enhancing drug is like the goddamn Nathan's hot dog eating contest. <laughs> the scientific basis originates from a research paper that relies solely on data collected decades ago by an employee at the National Institutes on Drug Abuse. That's what's denying a black woman from Dallas a spot in the Olympic event. She was favored to win. And Biden could, in theory, change that. Cannabis is banned in the Olympics by the World Anti-Doping Agency, which regulates the chemical intake of athletes in the Olympics and most professional soccer players, but not most major U.S. sports, nor the NCAA. It was created after the doping scandal plagued the 1998 Tour de France. WADA has updated its policy on cannabis several times in the past 20 years. Athletes can now use CBD, for example, but under the most recent banned list published in September, WADA still bans THC. As explained by the U.S. Anti-Doping Agency, the outfit that manages the drug testing program for the U.S. Olympic athletes under WADA rules, WADA bans substances if they meet at least two out of three criteria. The substance must pose a health risk to athletes must have the potential to enhance performance. And most ambiguously, it violates the spirit of the sport. You know what violates the spirit of the sport? Banning women for having high testosterone, you fucks.
Also, causing controversy at the Olympics. Hair caps for black hair. But apparently, those are some rules they're going to take a second look at. The International Swimming Federation says it will revisit its decision barring a swimming cap designed specifically for natural black hair from being used in competition. The makers of the Soul Cap, a product tailor-made so that swimmers with voluminous Afro-textured hair can protect their hair while in the water, said on Instagram last week that the sport's governing body had denied their application for certification. The decision effectively ensured that the cap would not be used when the Olympic Games begin this month. Okay, okay, I'll give you that. It could enhance your concentration in Olympic... Somebody like me with ADHD could see some performance enhancing in like a game of chess. Yes, I'll give you that. The news drew considerable backlash, prompting the International Swimming Federation, also known as FINA, to release a statement on Friday acknowledging the public response and announcing that it was reviewing the situation. Now, as I said, I don't really care about the Olympics. I uh, I just wanted to touch on those stories, which are kind of political really I wouldn't be a, like I can't drive I'm ADHD as fuck I can't concentrate on shit I mean you can tell that right now with me being sober right the, mm. but like I I can't drive focus on the road or otherwise like I'm looking at every you don't want to drive with me if I'm if I'm sober, because I'm not gonna be paying attention to the road. But like I chess, I would fucking be like into the chess board. Right there with it. Otherwise, like I'm bouncing off the walls. But drugs have different effects on different people. So I point out, like I'm ADHD as fuck. I self-medicate with marijuana to calm my ass down. Keep me grounded and focused. All right, are you guys ready for this? I promised by the end of the show, we would see a dog in shoes seek revenge for a man knocked out by a flying cat. It sounds absolutely insane or that I'm going to show you a cartoon, but it's fucking real life. There's there's your cat, man. Gets knocked out by a flying cat. I don't know where the hell it came from. Lands on its feet because that's what cats do. Runs off, clearly scared. Poor kitty. A dog wearing shoes goes to check on the man. And the dog gets upset that the flying cat took the man out. Goes over, tries to get revenge for him. Man, the cat fell from quite a high uh, altitude, apparently, to knock him out like that. Shit. One more time. Cat knocks man out. <laughs> I don't mean to laugh at your misfortune, dude. I'm so sorry. I'm sure that I, that could have caused a... 
serious head injury. <laughs> but like the the whole thing is just so absurd. Dog, who is wearing? Sh- I don't know what this is. For. Does the dog have some sort of problem that he has to wear the shoe? Or they? It looks like shoes and not socks. I. Why does the dog have shoes on? And he's so concerned. He's such a good boy. But like, I don't think it was the cat's fault. So don't get upset at the cat for knocking the man out. There's no. There does. I don't think we have sound on this. I would love to hear what the dude that's pointing at the screen is saying about this. One more time. One more time. Knocked out by a cat. And the kitty is so cute. That's, that's what I'm saying. Like, the cat had to fall from a... a height to knock him out like that. Like, three, four, five stories, maybe? Poor kitty, though. I, I hope the dude is okay. Hey, cats are mean. I I have no... Smokey and Socks love the shit out of me. Would never do anything to me. But if Maynard had the chance, Maynard would slip my fucking throat. That's what I was thinking. That it might be some kind of orthopedic thing that it's correcting. Poor puppy that he has to wear shoes. But like, how often do you see something like this? At this point in time, I'm just killing time because Twitch is being super slow and not letting me pull up the thing to raid you guys. Seriously. Okay, here we go. Hey, that that could be it too. Look, whoa, 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 whoa! Does it have sandals and socks on, or are they shoes? Is that a sandal and then a sock, or is that a one-piece shoe? Yeah, Twitch has some weird things going on right now. I don't know what's uh It's not being nice to me, which I it wouldn't let me go live originally. If you were watching on Twitch, he's a yuppie dog. <laughs> Wearing the socks and the sandals together. If you were on Twitch, if I can make it work, you're going to go over to Proudly Radical. Maybe. Oh, it's saying something went wrong. I may not be able to sit you guys over there. I don't know what's going on. But anyway, that'll do it for me. Go ahead, light one up, tip one back. It's all right to have a little fun before you hit the sack. I'm Justin Freegan. We'll see you tomorrow night on the Troll Patrol Live.